It's the best of Parent Q Live. Well, hey there, Parent Q. Welcome to another episode of Best of Parent Q Live. My name is Chris Pachiba, and I'm one of the producers here on Parent Q Live. And through the whole month of July, we have been going back in time, listening to some of the best episodes of all time for Parent Q Live. There's a lot of content out there. We get it. You are bombarded daily with Instagram, Facebook posts, Instagram Live, Twitter feeds. Like, we get it. There is a ton of information. So that's why we wanted to do this best of series. And I've been enjoying it, and I hope you've been enjoying it too. Now, today's episode is a very special episode because it features one of our recurring guests, and that's Dr. Shinwei Williams. She's a licensed professional counselor, and she sits down with Carlos Whitaker and Kristen Ivey and talks about how kids cope with anxiety. Especially in today's age, it sometimes it can feel like the world is only getting worse. Well, Dr. Shinwei sits down and explains that anxiety and stress are normal and they're an unavoidable part in our life, especially when our kids are experiencing something new or maybe they're transitioning through a phase. The way that we handle anxiety, the way that we acknowledge and respond to a kid showing signs of anxiety is a crucial part in helping foster resilience as they grow up. This is a very important episode. A lot of parents actually requested this episode because all the information that Dr. Shinwei sits down and talks about is so very helpful. So without further ado, let's jump in with Kristen and Carlos and this conversation with Dr. Shinwei Williams. Hey guys, and welcome to Parent Q Live. Today, we're gonna be talking about anxiety, the big capital A word, and what it means and how we help our kids cope with it and how we help ourselves cope with it also as well as we do this thing called life together. My name is Carlos Whitaker, and I'm one of your hosts today, along with our good friend, Kristen Ivey. Kristen, how are you? I'm doing great, Carlos. Fantastic. Thanks for hanging out here on the Parent Q Live podcast. Um, you are, Kristen, and I... We were talking about this a little bit before. We didn't know whether to say director or founder, but <laughs> I love the fact that we can call you the founder and director of The Phase Project. That's right. That is one of your roles here at Orange. Another one of your roles, uh, for those of you that don't know, is Kristen is the executive director of messaging also at Orange. Can you just for give me 30 seconds of what that even means? That means I take care of the words of the organization okay. and not the numbers. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> so you're a word person, not a number person. That's absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Awesome. Also with us, we're super excited that we have Chinway Williams. She is a licensed professional counselor here in the Atlanta area. Yes, correct? absolutely. My practice is actually located in Roswell. It is. Okay. Fantastic. So... Wow. We're when she talks, I just want to relax. I know, me too. Like, I, I feel like we're, we're in a... Can we, can we go ahead and pay you ahead of time for some of the problems we're going to give you? Please do. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Now, um, now, do you, um, in, your, in your practice, yes. um, are you um, working with adults and with children as well? Yes. I have the awesome opportunity to work with adults. I work with adolescents, and I also work with couples and families. Wow. Yeah. So the whole gamut. The whole gamut. The whole gamut. Um, before we jump into, um, I'd love to jump into what we're going to be talking about today. Would you say though, just straight off the top yeah. that, that, that counseling is something that entire families should invest in? 100%. 100%. Um, 100%. I think that, uh, in the past counseling was thought of it 
thought of as an option that you um, took when things were going wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think oftentimes that's probably a little bit too late. Yeah. And so I do think it's a wise investment just to be able to have um, an opportunity to talk about your thoughts, your feelings and, and challenges, but also get to hone in on some strengths. So, Love yes, it. that's great. Well, today's podcast is going to be specifically geared towards anxiety. And um, again, a lot of parents that are listening to this may have this struggle themselves. Yes. Or they may have children that they are seeing uh, definite symptoms of anxiety. So, um Kristen, I'm going to throw it to you here at the beginning, and let's go ahead and just kind of start this conversation on what anxiety, you know, can really look like in the home. Absolutely, Carlos. I think of just what is it that makes a kid feel anxious, and that might change at different phases, because as an adult, we know the things that make adults feel anxious. You know, we're anxious about our budget. We're anxious about paying bills. We're anxious about all these things that feel heavy, um, and yet kids and teenagers also feel anxiety, but I think about maybe, maybe different things. Is that true? That's absolutely true, uh, Kristen. So you're right about the different um, causes of anxiety really does vary depending on the different phases. So for example, when you think about the preschool phase, what's paramount is the separation piece, right? Mm. So kids like to be close to their primary caregivers. Mm. And so that attachment piece is really crucial to development. And so it is actually normal when a child is crying or upset, when a caregiver leaves the room or has to go to work, or my goodness, has a date night. Um, <laughs> and sometimes parents kind of freak out about that. But that is normal. And that's something that you'll see at the preschool age when you get a little bit um, for kids that are a little bit older, you're dealing with some other difficulties. Such you know, as, in, yes. in the preschool phases, it was interesting to me. Um, one thing that I researched that I thought was, was just interesting because I, I work outside the home. So obviously can't be with my kids every day. And yet I try to be really intentional with the time that I have with them. And, um, we just, we did this thing without meaning to, we gave them those loveys you know, yes. that they can hold on to. Yes. And now it's a problem because I have to pry it away to wash it <laughs> right. because no matter how many backups I had, it was like, there's the primary, you know, and then there's like, you are dead to me, lovey, yes. the one that is not the real one. Yeah. And so, but I started, re when I started researching it, I actually found that um, they're, they're saying that's a very, very helpful thing for a preschooler to have a constant. Yes. Even when the parent's outside the mm. home and that they found no detrimental effects, which no. was good news to me in 10 years or 15 years down yes. the road. They're not um, holding a lovey during a board meeting. Yes. <laughs> during a what? During a, a board, board meeting. meeting. Yeah. So that's important for parents to know. But there was still an attachment constant. Yes. So there are ways to find a constant, mm. either another consistent caregiver yes. outside of mother or father in those situations yes. or, or other areas where you keep things um, routine. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what you are, the lovey, as you mm -hmm. indicated, yeah. is also called in the psychology world, a transitional object. Mm -hmm. So it's something that brings comfort, brings uh, reassurance to the child when that caregiver is not around. So I think it's a really important thing for mm -hmm. parents to be aware of. And another thing we stumbled on with, with preschoolers, because it's just kind of my world, Yeah. Um, because consistency is so key. Yes. I missed it. Uh, about a couple years ago, we moved and we moved like down the street. I mean, we're talking like five minutes. So in our world, in adult yeah. world, it wasn't a big deal. We yeah. were thinking, hey, you know, we're moving from a townhome into a house that had mm -hmm. a backyard, mm -hmm. room for the kids to run and play mm -hmm. outside. We were excited. And, and I didn't realize at the time what that did emotionally um, to my middle child, my preschooler, who at the time was just used to routine. Yes. Until she started saying things. I mean, she was 
three years old going, mama, I miss our old house. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. even I noticed a little bit of regression in her. And and it took me a minute to even focus in and go, this is causing anxiety in the world. Yes. Because it's an interruption. So for Mm -hmm. you and your husband, it's five minutes down the road, but for your child, it's a big transition. Mm -hmm. And it's really important to kind of, and and I'll say this continuously, for parents to sort of adopt the perspective of the child. Mm -hmm. And for uh, a young child, especially, that is a a big move. It's just a reminder. I think that sometimes things that cause anxiety, uh, we can miss when something seems small, but it it seems big in their world. In their world. Yeah. And I, I think also, you know, it'll, if we miss it, it can continue to foster and grow with them, mm. right, when they hit elementary school age, yes. when they hit high school age. And, yes. you know, I, I can think of, I've got a 14-year-old that's just going into high school this year. And she was she was so nervous, and she's such a social butterfly. Mm-hmm. But I was so confused <laughs> as to why she was so anxious. Yeah. And, um, and I remember when she was five years old, and she cried on New Year's Eve. And I said, baby, why are you crying? She goes, because I'm going to miss 2007 like she she told me that she was good and then so so suddenly I realized you know what this change is a big deal for yes and and even so maybe talk to us a little bit about so once the kids get a little older and being able to talk to maybe a middle schooler about some of these big transition years right sixth grade going into middle school ninth grade going into high school Um, how can we as parents really be there for them during those anxious times yeah well you hit the nail on the head when you said, wow, I didn't realize this was going to be a big deal. So I think the number one thing I tell parents is to remember what life was like for you back in the day. So those transitions are really, really important, moving to sixth grade, moving to ninth grade, um, entering high school, even if the child is you know, able to make connections pretty easily, it's still a new change. And change, change and change is hard for adults, by the way. Yeah. So we have to understand that it's going to be even more difficult for for our our children. And so you want to have those lines of communication mm-hmm. open. And so you want to prepare. I'm all about preparation. Okay, so you want to prepare by having the dialogue ahead of time. Hey, so school's coming up in a few weeks. Like, mm. like, how are you feeling about it? Um, mm. What are you excited about? What are you nervous about? Just having the opportunity for your child to share yeah. is going to be really important. Now, when you talk about sharing, I'm going now with a, ver- a kid who's maybe less verbal. Yes. Um, some of those questions start to feel a little bit intimidating or like a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and do I need a response right away? What would you say to a parent who maybe has a kid that's you may be less verbal. Yes, yes. That's a really good point, Kristen. Um, I would say just be intentional and create opportunities for conversations to come up, mm-hmm. but don't have any expectations that your child is going to even really be able to articulate what's bringing about the anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and something else that we do as therapists, especially with younger children, although I've seen it work amazingly with adults as well, is ask kids to draw what they're feeling. What does anxiety feel like? What does it look like? Can you draw it for me? Can you associate it with a color? So just using all sorts of senses and all sorts of modalities can be really helpful for someone who's not going to be as articulate about what they're feeling internally. That's good. Could could you maybe tell us, maybe help us differentiate and navigate as parents, maybe some things that are normal 
and some things that are not when, when we're looking at our kids. So maybe, you know, as Kristen yeah. said, mm-hmm. you know, our, our kids aren't um, verbal enough yet to really explain. You know, I have a hard time trying to get my 14 yes. year old to tell me what she did at school. You know, <laughs> uh, g- give me, give me like 10 seconds. You can't even give that. So, so maybe some, so, some things that we can be looking for in their actions and in their uh, demeanor that, yes. that maybe lend to, to being anxiety driven. Yes. Great question. I, I always want to start off by saying stress and anxiety is actually a normal part mm. of life. It's inevitable. We cannot escape it. And so it's normal. It's normal to feel anxious about something that's new, something that's different, something that's upcoming, mm. right? Um, however, when the stress becomes excessive or persistent over time is when parents and caregivers should pay closer attention okay. and ask some really important questions Um not, again, having the expectation that the child is going to be able to answer right away, sure. but you want to have those conversations. So some of the symptoms um, that we as mental health clinicians look for and that parents can easily um, explore is irritability, mm-hmm. which you might think when we're talking about a teenager, oh, well, that's par for the course. Right. <laughs> um, well, so-, so she must be stressed 24-7. <laughs> so that's when it's really important to know your child, right? right? Um, so irritability, restlessness, mm. sleep disturbance, um, something that comes up over and over again is abdominal pain, mm. digestive issues. Sometimes, you know, a younger child will say, my belly hurts. Um, uh, an older child may say, mom, I don't want to go to school today because, you know, I have like stomach problems. Just leave me alone. Um, those are some things to kind of, you know, keep your eye out for. Um, in addition, angry outbursts. Some of it is part of being a teenager. But again, when you know your child, yes. you'll start to notice when something seems a mm. little bit abnormal. Uh, behaviorally, um, is it okay to talk about Absolutely. that? Yeah. Behaviorally, um, what we notice is avoidance. Avoidance of activities, um, social or otherwise. Avoidance of school. I just don't feel like going to school. And this is a child that loved school. Uh, procrastination is something also that is a really significant sign. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, indecisiveness, Um, not being able to make a decision because high anxiety, persistent, high levels of anxiety can really impact you cognitively. So if I'm if I'm sitting here listening to you, because it's just the tendency that I have this over time. I mean, I remember taking Psych 101 and I'm reading my textbook thinking, well, I have that. Um, so, (laughs) So if I'm if I'm listening to you thinking, hey, what if my my kid maybe has some anxiety or more anxiety mm-hmm. than I realized? Mm-hmm. What would be next steps that you would say to a parent that would go, you know, don't get mm-hmm. <laughs> anxious yes. about your kid's anxiety. Yes. But but here's kind of a first thing that you could do. Yes. So I'm all about um, dialogue. And so again, every child may not be able to articulate what's happening in their internal world, but find a way to have the conversation um, occur maybe informally and just ask about what they're feeling. If you notice some of the avoidance signs and the procrastination and the indecisiveness along with some of the physical irritability or um, stomach issues, say, hey, Susie, what do you think that's about? Or have Mm -hmm. you noticed when these things come up for you, what else is going on in your life? Um, And then something else that I think is really important Sometimes as parents, we tend to dismiss Mm -hmm. um, anxiety or we believe that if we don't acknowledge it, then it doesn't exist. (laughs) Hey, I do that with a lot of things. (laughs) Right? Right? Doesn't work. um, Bills. (laughs) uh... 
That's right. Um, it, it doesn't work because the message that you're then conveying to your child is that um, they're all alone and they have to deal with mm-hmm. this by themselves. And because you're saying this doesn't exist, exist but for them internally it's so real and so it just causes a little bit more um shame around Mm -hmm. what's already a really difficult issue um i want to make sure that i've answered your question yeah i think i think that's great one another thing i remember you talking about offline kind of before um was just a parent's and this is a tricky thing to navigate but the way a parent responds to not label a child yes um as they're forming as they're growing that they're that they're feeling anxious, yes, but not that they are yes. their anxiety. Can you yeah. talk about that just a little bit? Yeah, I know that's a really important uh, piece, Kristen. So um, a lot of what I do in the counseling room is helping young people realize that this thing that they're facing, be it um, depression or anxiety yeah. or bullying, is not their identity. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when they live with an experience for so long and remember for young people, it feels so big oh, and overwhelming, yeah. <laughs> they start to believe that that's who they are. So it's really important, we call it depersonalize, mm-hmm. to let them know that this is you and this is what you're dealing with. Because if you can then separate anxiety from who they are, they don't feel as if they're battling themselves, right? Wow. This is something that that's they good. can actually cope with and deal with um, using healthy coping skills. So it's really important not to label. I'm actually not a huge fan of diagnosis. You sort of mm. have to do it, and you know, in the nature of the profession, you sort of have to do it at times. But it's more important to really talk about their internal experience and then give them ways to cope. So it sounds like it's what parents and adults say to kids really matters. Yes. Uh, the, the way we respond, what we yes. say to them really um, leads them in, you know, in, in different ways when it comes to their anxiety. So let's, let's maybe talk about a few things to say. Yes. Okay. And maybe a few things not to say, for instance, right? Okay. So, so like I lead middle school groups and yeah. most of the time they experience a breakup. I'm just like, you know what? Get over it. Shake it off. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, does that work? <laughs> anyway, is anyway, t- talk to us about Kristen's middle school advice. <laughs> yeah. Don't say that. Okay. <laughs> Cause remember in their world, this is really, really big. Yes. And by the way, it's hard to shake off anxiety. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so for adults, we try to use, uh, ration and logic and anxiety just isn't a logical thing. And Mm -hmm. so again, telling them to get over it is making them feel alone and really increasing that Mm -hmm. sense of shame. It's hard to tell someone not to feel a feeling. That's it. Yeah. Yes. Your logic doesn't really speak to emotions. Emotions are what they are. And that is a hard thing to realize, especially whether you've got toddlers who feel all the feelings um, or you've got middle schoolers that are feeling feelings. Do you want to go I see the feeling that yes. you have. Yes. Whether it's rational, whether it's logical, mm. whether I understand the rationality behind it, really it's important. there. Really and, important. And, it, and it's real. Yes. Right? And so, and that's simply validating their emotions. Mm. Mm. You may not agree with it. You may not even <laughs> understand it, especially right. when they get around 13. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's their experience. Sure. Yeah. Tell me this. Um, I think that adults struggle with this, that struggle with anxiety, as well as children, when s- Sometimes, as Christians, mm-hmm. we um, we make them almost feel like God somehow should be able to just take away mm-hmm. their anxiety or mm-hmm. just trust God more or, you know, those kind of things that I think a lot of people mean well. Right. But I think sometimes it really harms them. So so how, how can we bring God into the conversation without them feeling like they are less than? Yes. 
And Carlos, I've seen that in session with um, some of my clients who are believers and they their family are believers and they've grown up in the church and they really are hard on themselves because they feel like they're not praying enough. Mm-hmm. There's something that they're not doing correctly. Yeah. And then as parents, some of us, depending on where we grew up or our faith, um, we wonder if if that's something that really should be considered. Are the kids doing exactly what they need to be doing to overcome this? Mm. Um, I don't think that that's fair. I really don't. I do think that there's a place for discussions around God and faith. Um, What I like to do, especially for believers, uh, clients of mine, is to have them point out scriptures that specifically speak to fear and anxiety and, and feeling overwhelmed. And yeah. Yes. And then we talk about it. Um, so it's not me sort of mm-hmm. hitting them over the head with the Bible. Yeah, it good. really is a, a conversation. It's collaborative. Um, and it's really an opportunity to let them know that, that God is grieving with you. Like, mm-hmm. this is really tough. And um, but I believe that you can cope with this. And so you can turn to God and, and we don't know good. what God's timeline is in, in healing this or taking this away from you, even if that's God's plan. Mm-hmm. But it's really important to turn to God and know that you can get through this. I love that that point of view. Chinway, this has been amazing. Um, Kristen and I uh, were excited about you coming in. And I know a lot of the parents that are listening to this and leaders that are listening to this can get a lot out of this to kind of wrap this up. Uh, to kind of wrap up um, what we've been talking about, if there was something, one thing that you could share to the listeners uh, about kids and anxiety, what what would that be? Yeah, I think the first thing, Carlos, um, is to acknowledge it. I mean, frankly, we live in a fast-paced, stressful world, right? And increasingly so. So as parents, we really want to equip our our children with ways to cope because that builds resilience. And so if I could think of one thing that would be helpful across all phases mm. is just to acknowledge it. And if I can add a second piece, yes, um, help your children to cope. And if you aren't able to do that, please seek out resources oh, outside good. of the family, through counselors, through other organizations, yeah. that's going to be able to help you support your child. Chinway, thanks for hanging out with us today on Parent Q Live. Chris and I really appreciate it, along with, I know, our many listeners who can do these simple two steps at the very end, is just acknowledge your kids, um, acknowledge where they're at when it comes to anxiety. Um, that it's true in their lives, and then help them. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, also make sure that you guys are subscribing to the podcast, maybe rate it on iTunes if you'd like. And um, we just want to say thank you one more time, and thank you guys for listening to Parent Q Live.